Time for our Tuesdays with Tom skilling segment sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. How the heck are you today? How's it going, Tom? Anna, I'm fine. I hope you are too and staying warm. It's uh, it's a little chilly out there to say the least. You know, you feel it because of the differential, but it's not cold, cold yet, I wouldn't say. Although, what, in the cities? What, were we in the teens this morning? Yeah, we went down to 13 at O'Hare and Midway. You know, the one saving grace, Anna, is unlike yesterday when we had wind gusts as high as 55 miles an hour at parts of the area, we don't have a lot of wind this morning. So that uh, that cuts down on the wind chill effect. If we had married the kind of wind we had yesterday with uh, these temperatures, we'd really we'd really be miserable. But we wound up with uh, single-digit temperatures out in the suburbs. Went down as low as 5 out at McHenry this morning at Kirkland, uh, down to 7 at DeKalb and Sycamore. Elgin went down to 7, St. Charles 9. Uh, gosh, Plainfield went down to 9, 9 at Aurora this morning. So it was cold. Uh, in northwest Indiana, equally cold. Uh, you know, readings uh, down in uh, single digits of sub areas away from Lake Michigan there. Mm-hmm. But basically low teens in northwest Indiana. So it was cold this morning, Anna. Mm-hmm. Coldest since February. Is that what you guys are reporting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since, uh, since February the 20th, that makes this, uh, what, the coldest day in uh, 290 days around here. And that's interesting. It's also, um, you know, we continue the streak without measurable snow. We're more than three weeks past the average date of first measurable snow around here. And uh, I was looking nationally. You know, the Weather Service every morning calculates what percentage of the lower 48 is under a cover of snow. We only have about uh, 16% of the country covered with snow that's the third lowest uh national snow coverage uh, since they started these detailed daily reports back in 2003 19 years ago now in fairness uh, there was some pretty good snow up through the upper midwest over the weekend so they had almost a foot of snow in upper michigan northern wisconsin sits under a snowpack so does northern minnesota and north dakota back into northern montana but uh, and that's part of the reason, Anna, why we've gotten cold. Um, you know, you find every year that your really cold temperatures start arriving here in Chicago when there's a snowpack up to the north. Snow is very reflective. It has what we say uh, we 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 say it has a high albedo, which means the sunlight coming in is reflected back into space before it can warm the air. So when you bring a snowpack down into the picture. Uh, Arctic air runs over it. Uh, Snow cover is kind of the track on which the Arctic Express runs, and that's what we've got going here. It's not snowy here on the ground, but it is uh, just a little ways north of us. Yeah, and we're hearing from our neighbors in the north about about that sort of snowfall. We haven't seen it yet, and some people are wanting it. You know, your your um, your producer there, Bill Snyder, joined us yesterday with some research he's been doing there in the WGN TV weather office. Um, did some serious research, he said, going back and, and found a bit of a trend line there that seems to, I don't know, tell us what you think, Tom, predict what kind of winter we might have. Well, you know something, there is a... Uh uh, there's something we call persistence in uh, meteorology and climatology. What that is, it's a notion that uh, the pattern that is going may continue going. And so if you look at how much snow you've had up to this point and then go back and find uh, comparative years in the past where we've had so little snow up to this point, and then you look ahead and see what did those years end up producing in the way of snowfall, and it turns out that, uh, you know, the majority of years, uh, in fact, all of them, uh, from this date forward, who have had this little snow, 
have ended up with, uh, and their bill identified eight years uh, since we started snow records in Chicago back in 1884. Eight years have gone this far without snow. And every one of those winters from this point forward had less than the average 37 inches of snow that we get in a typical season. Mm -hmm. So um, if you don't like snow, that may be good news. Of course, you know, we always add the... uh, uh, the, the cautionary note that uh, just because that's happened in the past doesn't mean that there won't be a couple of storms that, that uh, you know, tend to uh, diverge from that pattern. Sure. But it certainly mm-hmm. is an indicator that uh, we're on track toward a below normal snowfall year if this were to continue. Any concerns about that, Tom? Because I was I was seeing something um, that, about how these communities that are that the, the, the economies revolve around uh, snow in particular oh, in yeah. Colorado and the ski resorts that a lot of the runs are not open yet. They're producing their own snow. It's more costly to do that, and they're really they're they're hoping for more snow in places like that. I I just wonder what the the other side of that is some of us say, oh, great, we don't have to shovel so much. But what do you how do you feel about it? Well, you know, there are a lot of there are pluses and there are minuses to this. Um, but, you know, the outdoor winter sports industry is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country. And if you don't have snow to support your ski resorts, or at least you don't have as much as you normally do, um, that's a problem, you know, for those industries. Um, you know, another thing, too, we celebrate the fact that Uh, We don't have cold weather, uh, you know, in some years. And the fact is, you know, this controls the pests like mosquitoes that will go on to spread disease in the following year. It cuts down on, um, uh, you know, cold air will cut down on mold and pollen. Pollen seasons have been growing longer in the area as uh, the region warms up. Um, And, of course, you know, the amount of ice you get on the Great Lakes it says a lot about uh, the lake temperatures, and there's a whole ecosystem there that is uh, supported by certain ranges in temperature and can be affected when you start fiddling with that. So, you know, there are a lot of repercussions. On the other hand, you know, natural gas prices are very high this year. Uh, if we have less cold weather, people will be paying less to heat their homes. So, um, you know, there are pluses and negatives, but um, there are negatives to this, uh, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of folks would say, hey, uh, I don't care about the negatives. Keep the snow and the cold away. Uh, (laughs) But the fact is, uh, you know, this is a nature is a finely balanced uh, uh, set of natural systems and you can affect it. Yeah. No, no question. You're right. A lot of people are cheering when they hear that, and others are saying, "Wait a minute! Uh, I actually don't mind the the snow. I like to I like it, and our, some economies rely on it. And my daughter needs it. She is asking and begging for it, wondering when she gets to build the first snowman. By now, I think we've usually had one, haven't we? Oh yeah, yeah we definitely have. You know, November 18th. Figure that's the average first date for a measurable snow around here. Here we are up to December 7th. Uh, and uh, we've not had measurable snow yet. Now, we're watching some uh, light snow on the radar. Uh, Not all of it's reaching the ground coming in from the west, so we'll probably see some snow flurries in parts of the area later today and tonight. But, you know, as we warm up again later in the week, I I look out two weeks, uh, Anna, at all of our numerical modeling, and at this point, if there's a snowstorm out there uh, for Chicago, it's not showing up yet on the models. You know, we get every now and then you'll get a run that suggests maybe here's a weather system we watch that may come in. And then they end up fizzling on you as you get closer to the the day in question. 
But um, it's got to happen one of these days. Um, I think December 3rd is the average, has been the average first date for an inch of snow. Mm-hmm. So we're past that already. And, uh, you know, but the, the chances that we're going to get a measurable snow increase from this point forward just based on history even though the overall total for the season may be less. But it sounds like you might have some warm temperatures to tell us about, Tom. We were talking about snow and cold and that sort of thing and, and looking forward. But next week sounds like we might get, uh, looks like a little warmer, according to your forecast. Yeah, it, it's really stunning. This has been a season of very progressive weather systems. So when you get these hits of cold air, they don't stick around for weeks on end. Uh, everything is moving right along. So we're in this cold air now, Anna. Uh, a jet stream switch will take the northwest steering winds coming in out of the Arctic around to the west-southwest, and that brings in air from the uh, Pacific. And, of course, uh, that, that tends to be mild air. It loses a lot of its moisture on the mountain ranges to the west, so by the time it arrives here, it comes in. Even when you get a system coming in off the Pacific, like this thing that's riding in today, uh, a lot of its moisture has been expended on the mountain ranges out west. And so, you know, we'll get maybe some flurries out of that, but not a big deal. There are some showers of rain coming in later in the week. That'll be a little golf moisture that we get with this warm-up. And then next week, uh, the predominant uh, pattern is above normal. In fact, we've got some days next week, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, that'll be more than 10 degrees above normal, which translates to daytime highs that could be in the 40s and even the 50s. And if you look at a couple of the the model projections, uh, there are a couple of days in there that might even close to 60 somewhere uh, in the next two weeks. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet a lot of money on that, but it's conceivable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 50-degree temperatures are no strangers in December, even though we kind of think that's, you know, an anomaly when they happen. Mm -hmm. But they've happened in the past. You know, I was thinking about you last night, Tom. I was at a restaurant, and we were sitting in the bar area, those tables that around there. But they had the Weather Channel on every single monitor there. And I always yeah. find when it's on, I get drawn in. You know, I just I, I can't stop watching the wonders of Mother Nature or something about that. But they, they talked about something on the Great Lakes. Is it called a seiche that they said? Is that how you say it? Yeah, a seiche. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the terminology that has been applied, that's a, a shift in lake levels. And it typically is the product of um, thunderstorm lines. When you get a thunderstorm, a squall line that races out over Lake Michigan at 50 miles an hour, the air gushing out the front of it hits the lake surface and produces a dome of water that is pushed over to Michigan, and then it reflects back to us. And so about an hour after such a squall line passes, we tend to find these lake-level variations um, that can be, you know, amount to a couple of feet. We had a whole group of fishermen that were killed out on Montrose Harbor back mm. in the uh, 1950s with a big uh, seiche that occurred there. Literally swept over the whole uh, horseshoe out there and uh, swept these fishermen to their death. So these are nothing to fool around with. You know, they changed the terminology on it, Anna. Instead of calling it seiche, the new term that seems to be applied is meteosunami. And these occur down on the Florida coast, too, with thunderstorm lines will come in off the Gulf of Mexico into the Tampa Bay area or something like that. And it pushes these domes of water ashore. And, you know, it can catch uh, unwary uh, swimmers by surprise and create problems there, much as it did for our fishermen here in uh, Chicago back in the 50s. 
So it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, it is for sure. I, I just found myself locked in. I can't. I can't look away when the, when the weather channel is on. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily go to it, but when I am on it, it just it's it's fascinating to see all the things that nature produces. You know, Tom, I want to ask you about something else because you and I both own electric vehicles, all electric vehicles, and yeah. I know the state is making a major push, as is the U.S. government, to try to get more of these vehicles on the road. In fact, in Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, the governor, says by he wants a million of them on the road by twenty thirty. And I often complain about not having enough charging stations. Um, And I think that is an issue for sure. The infrastructure has to be laid in order to make it possible. But I don't know. Do you do you find that it's it's a problem for you, generally speaking? No, Uh, Anna, I'm telling you, I own I've owned an electric vehicle now for four years. It's the best car, honestly, I've ever owned. Um, it's reliable. It has get up and go. There are fewer parts. You don't have to replace spark plugs and stuff like that. Doesn't require oil changes or anything like that. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the major thrusts in this uh, infrastructure bill is to get more of these, uh, electric charging stations in. And I noticed this morning, one of my newsletters, I get mm-hmm. that there's a big push to put more of these charging stations in, you know, when I bought it, it was kind of at the vanguard of this electric uh, car, uh, era that we're heading into. Mm-hmm. And so there weren't many charging stations. So what I used to have to do is drive up the Eden's expressway to one of these <laughs> charging stations. I get done, and I go up there, and I sit for an hour, hour and a half, and charge. Uh-huh. Uh, and I drive back down to the city again. Then, then the charging stations were put in here. There was one down in the Mariano's on Broadway, and so I go down there and put my car, uh, you know, charge it while I was shopping. And but now um, the building I'm in has put them in, uh-huh. and um, so it's it's a game changer. And I think what people will do when we go electric uh, more and more is they'll put in these chargers at home, and they needn't be these real fast ones. You, you'll drive in at night, you plug it in, and uh, in the morning it's ready to go, and that's what I do right now, and it's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get about 300 miles range on my car now uh, driving, and you might think, gosh, that's a limiting factor. But really, when you look at most of the driving most of us do, if you're doing long-distance driving, that's an issue. But you can get, I've driven down to Champaign to give talks, and I charge down there, and then mm-hmm. I come back up again, and it's, it all works very, very well. That's the difference between you and me, though. I have the 200 limit. You have 300. So that's maybe why I see it, because in colder temperatures, when I'm driving all over the place, we have family, you know, all the way to the Iowa border, and then in the northern suburbs, the western suburbs, everywhere. And I find that I'm, I'm just panicking, trying to find a, a charging station in some cases, yeah. but <laughs> that's the way it is now, maybe not uh, in the future. Well, you know, Anna, they have cars now that will go up to 500 miles, and the battery technology on this is a is a you know moving target. It's changing, and uh, so it's going to get better and better as time goes on. And you're going to have more and more of these charging stations. Um, so that will, I mean, look at the, look at what we have now. The, the infrastructure that supports uh, gas, uh, you know, our yeah. fuel cars. You've got a gas station on every corner. Uh, one day you'll have charging stations all over the place as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a problem that's going to get better. Yeah, I do too. Tom, thanks for the talk today. Always enjoy our visits and um, enjoy the rest of your evening. You too, Anna. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Stay warm. You too. We'll talk next Tuesday. Tom Skilling, sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems.